Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a solutions-oriented podcast and live radio show. Each broadcast, we dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore topics of interest for leaders and professionals in education and a variety of other disciplines. And this is your host, Brian Perkins. Uh, today, I'm uh, also excited to have a, a, uh, a leader with us who has been publishing and writing about um, ways in which to uh, become more effective as a leader and giving advice um, to leaders out there. Um, he is the executive vice president and managing director of insights um, and uh, data for North America for a firm called Capgemini Insights and Data Managing. Um, so um, I want to introduce you to you and uh, welcome uh, to tonight's show, uh, Jerry Kurtz. Welcome, Jerry. Hello, hello. How are you doing today? I'm doing just fine. Thanks for having and so. Me. Yes, no, my thank you for coming on. I know you have a wealth of experience. And so, um, you know, everyone listening in, I, I have so many people every week that say, you should have gone longer with that person. And so I'm just, I'm, you know, we have 30 minutes and I don't want to waste any time because there's so much rich uh, information I know that you have. But I do want to start because with a little background information. So tell me a little bit about you, uh, Jerry, and with your background experience. And I know just you, you have all of this uh, experience um, showing more than 30 years of managing uh, management consulting experience. But so you've been a manager, a leader um, in corporate and um, uh, for a while. So tell me a little bit first about yourself and your experience. Sure. Well, I mean, if I'm uh, potentially talking to a lot of educators, I guess I'll start with my education. I mean, I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, lived all over the country, lived all over the world uh, throughout my life. But but I guess my hometown was Cincinnati, although I've been in Charlotte for the past uh, 30 years. I'm a graduate. I was an engineer at Vanderbilt University. So I went mm-hmm. to school in Nashville, which happens to be where I am today. Okay. And then um, I I, you know, just like everybody, you have different possible career paths. And I went after a career path in consulting. And uh, if I tell you that I worked for Bridgestone Tire, my first few years out of school, you might think, well, that that doesn't sound like consulting to me. But actually, (laughs) back in the late 80s, this Japanese-owned tire company that bought Firestone had uh, decided to take their IT department in Japan and turn it into a IT services company or a consulting wow. company, an IT consulting company. And so I ended up starting my career in, in consulting with a company called Bridgestone Software Company. And the reason that I pursued the role was because they were offering training for us. Where they, were, they were hiring six college grads to help open up their U.S. operation of only 30 employees. And they were offering training over in Japan. And as we talk about my kind of 12 keys of successful leadership, one of them is making your own luck. And making my own luck for me started with, hey, that sounded like a pretty cool opportunity to go to yeah. Japan right out of school and have somebody, have somebody pay me to go <laughs> yeah. learn, the Japanese, learn the Japanese culture. And, and it turns out that I went for training. I was studying Japanese half the day. They actually Absolutely. taught me the language. 
I was there for four months and I studied Japanese for five hours a day and studied wow. computer programming five hours a day. And that was kind of my entry. But, but the long story short, I've been doing uh, consulting, mostly operational and IT consulting ever since for 30 years. So I was four years with, uh, with Bridgestone. And then I was uh, uh, t- 25 years with a combination of PricewaterhouseCoopers Mm-hmm. And IBM. So I and I made partner in the late '90s at PwC, and then I, uh, three years after I became partner at PwC, IBM purchased PwC Consulting. Thirty thousand of us went over to IBM. I was with them for 15 years. Then I was at Infosys Consulting for a couple years, and I've been at Capgemini now for two and a half years. And the wow. last ten or so, not, not super relevant for today's conversation, but the last ten years or so, I've been doing a lot of work in the data AI and analytics area, which happens to be one of the hotter areas in, in IT and technology. But that's, that's kind of the short version of my yeah. career. Well, I'm, I'm telling you, that is fascinating. And, you know, um, you know, the universe has its way of putting you where you need to be, right? So um, that is, that is such an interesting story. And I, I've heard so many stories like that where people do take a chance and go out and do um, do something that just was, um, you know, a wild thought. And and even sometimes it's something that people um, might try to talk you out of, you know, and and then it turns out to set you on a path that really becomes the the story of your life so um so you're now with cap gemini and and so tell me a little bit about what so what you do cap gemini so cap gemini is one of the large global um technology and operational and strategic consulting firms uh somewhere in the neighborhood of 18 billion in in total revenue over 350,000 employees Wow. So it's one of the big ones. It's just a name that in North America, some people wouldn't have heard of quite as much because it's a French-owned corporation. So the global headquarters is in Paris, France, which is where I'll ah. be uh, next week for some meetings. Um, and so we, we typically have various types of services that we provide. You know, we do, we do work that's strategic consulting. We do work in the ERP, SPI, Oracle and the customer and front office space with solutions like Salesforce, uh, Salesforce.com and Adobe. We have a lot of different business lines, and, I, and I'm uh, an executive who runs a data artificial intelligence and analytics business line in North America. I'm part of a global business line, so I've got about 1,100 employees that wow. report to me. And then we also, our, our team also keeps another four or 5,000 people busy in our India operation for, you know, for, for projects that we do with clients that, that leverage resources both, both in the U.S. and in, uh, in India and other locations. Mm-hmm. Wow, that, that is fascinating. And so I know uh, there might be some people that are going, wait a minute, so, so why exactly we're talking about, you know, uh, data and analytics. And so why exactly um, are you on this show? Well, I'm going to tell you guys this. Those of you who are listening either live or are going to listen later is that I was blown away by this very short um, but on-point uh, article that Jerry wrote um, and um, one of my favorite um, magazines. Everyone knows it's Fast Company. 
And so it's about a five-minute read. But um, what caught my attention um, it was the title. So want to be an f- effective leader? Follow these 12 steps. And so I, you know, kind of looked at it and said, okay, I got to see what this, you got me. You got my attention, so let's see. And so what this really did, um, some really um, uh, brief points and but on the money, some of them heard before, some of them not. And so um, I know there's a much bigger story behind this. Um, and so, so what I want to do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say what the 12 steps are. And then there are a few, as you know, Jerry, I told you that I have some questions about. And so sure. the first one. So the first one is one that I do have questions about, but I'm going to go through them and then we'll come back. So number one, make your own luck. Number two, follow your passion. Number three, improve public speaking. Number four, be a positive influence. Number five, be humble. Six, be well-rounded. Seven, prioritize interpersonal skills. Commit to deadlines. Nine, Take care of you. Ten, keep reskilling. Eleven, be self-sufficient. And twelve, be an expert at something. So, I mean, but we have so much we can jump into there. So I want to start with the first one. I mean, you threw a real curveball at me there. Make your own luck. So tell me, what do you mean make your own luck? And basically what that means is take charge of your own career and your own life and don't wait for stuff to happen. So when you're, when you're an employee and you're trying to figure out what's next in your career, don't just wait for somebody to tell you, oh, you're going to be doing this next. And I'm in consulting, so it's like what's your next project, what's your next move, what's your next mm-hmm. role. And I learned mm-hmm. early on by going after that opportunity to go to Japan, when I interviewed for that role, they were taking six people. And I called the company up and I said, how am I looking? And they said, you're, you're currently in eighth place. And, and I, long story short, I figured out a way to get to be one of those six people. Gotcha. And, and, and it basically impacted my career direction. Fast forward, I come back from Japan. I, I had the honor of having a one-on-one interview with the president of the company. And he was so nice. And he said, what do you want to do? And I was super thankful that he asked me, and I, to this day I'm thrilled with my answer because I could have given an answer that didn't make my own luck. But what I said was, well, to be honest, a couple things. I don't, I'm, an, I'm an electrical engineer math major from Vanderbilt University. I don't know business. I didn't take an accounting class in college. I don't, under, I don't you know, I didn't take finance. I, need, I want to learn business, and I'm afraid that if you go stick me in the credit department, of the tire company for four years, I'm not going to learn business. Is there a way to work with some of your smaller divisions or smaller clients so I can learn their entire business ah. and, and learn, you know, learn what a general ledger is and learn what payables is and learn what receivables is and kind of learn business. And Oh, by the way, and I almost said it half jokingly, I, I knew their, their headquarters was out in Los Angeles. I said, if you ever open up a San Francisco office, I would love to help because I think that would be fun to be, a, and that, that was my answer. And, um, and, then, and then a few days later, they said, hey, Jerry, um, okay, we've decided that what we're going to do is your clients are going to be Bridgestone Sports, uh, golf, golf distributor, golf equipment distributor, and Bridgestone Bicycle, they make and distribute bicycles, 
and they're both pretty small companies at the time. They were like a hundred million or smaller companies. And we're going to, you're going to learn this ERP software package to help them run their company more effectively. And, uh, Oh, by the way, in nine months, we actually are opening up a San Francisco office. <laughs> and so you're going to join, you're going to join the person who leads the charge to go open that office. You'll be the second employee in San Francisco. And, oh, I um, I think the lesson, the lesson learned was if you want something, just ask for it. I mean, the worst thing that happens is that they say no, right? right. And I, and so it's a, that, you know, there's many, many, many more examples I could give of making your own luck, but you need to go, you know, if you want something, do what you can to make it happen. And it's not about, you know, some people want a promotion and some people want a raise and some people want things that they don't deserve. But obviously you have to pick the times in your career when you're going to go for it. And I, and for me, it hasn't been 30 or 40 times. It's all probably been a handful or two handfuls of times where I'm like, I got to go make my luck now. Um, but, but that's the key message on that particular, you know, that particular. And some of this is keys to leadership, maybe overlapped a little bit with the fact that I've been in consulting for 30 years. And yeah. these are just keys to success in my particular, um, you know, my particular profession that I've learned. And what I tried to do um, a couple years ago when I joined Capgemini, we had some senior consultants, some kids that are, let's say, five, six, seven years out of school. They said they wanted leadership development training. So uh -huh. we developed a leadership development webinar series for them. And I was the first speaker, and I had the first hour. And I, this is when I wrote kind of like the core of this topic. And basically mm -hmm. what I did is I said, okay, I've been doing this for 30 years. Time to stay, stay, uh, take a step back and give back to this yeah. community and tell them everything I've learned in 30 years and give it to them in a half an hour. Wow. And that's the, that's the gist of it. Now, again, one could argue if we go deep in each of these areas, some of, the, some of these, most of these absolutely are keys to successful leadership, but there's also a little bit of a flavor of, of my profession and keys to being successful in the profession, not just as a successful leader. So over yeah, time, but, as my opinion evolves, I will, I'll probably get a little bit more specific on if you want to be a management consultant or technology consultant, keys to success in that career, and maybe a little bit more refinement on the specific topic of being a successful leader. So there's maybe a little bit of overlap in there. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I, uh, first of all, let me just say that, so that's great. So I, you took, I, I jotted down on my piece of paper something to say, and then you you said it a couple of seconds later, later, which was ask for what you want. I'm going to come back to that in a minute, but I want to jump on something you just said. I don't think this is just about management consulting, though, because oh, no, what I I'm, yeah, what what I am hearing you say resonates so deeply with me in in different roles. You know, I've I've been a consultant to private, public um, entities, um, government, uh, um, school systems, corporate, you name it, in leadership. And so most, if not all, of what you said in terms of ask for what you want um, resonated greatly uh, with me. Um, you know, I have my own little story about ask for what you want that goes right in line with that. Um, when I first became a professor, um, was assistant professor in um, in Fairfield, Connecticut, at a small, um, really fast-growing college. You may have heard of it, Sacred Heart University in uh, Fairfield, Connecticut. And at the time, had a really young president, and he was going around. He used to walk around and talk to people. And, was, I mean, he could do it because 
the size of the college was really like a big high school to me, you know, like what where it was. But it was growing in leaps and bounds. And so he stopped by um, my uh, office suite where all of us were, and, and I happened to be there that day, and he asked, um, so tell me about yourself or whatever. And so he didn't ask me what did I want to do, but I took the opportunity since he was there. I said, you know, here's, here's what I want you to know is that I have an interest in being in university leadership. And, and, and so rather than have things happen kind of accidentally, I want you to know that if there's something that you, a project that you want done and you don't necessarily have, like it may be a pet project you wanted to do, you don't necessarily have the money, but it would give me some experience, I'd be happy to take that on. And and so just told him, just flat out, here's what I'd like to do intentionally. So um, yep. making your That's own it. luck, you know, to just saying it, calculating it to the people that have the power to do it. And and so another part of that um, that comes to it, because just you having the gut to say that to, you know, to the leader, like I'd, I'd like to be here or there is exactly what I think I was feeling at the same time was around, you know, kind of being fearless when it came to it, because I always tell people all they can say is no. And if it's not, but you will never know if you don't ask them to give you the opportunity. So they're in, so kind of like parenthetically to make your own luck, what goes along with that is being somewhat fearless in your pursuit of those, those goals and dreams. Yep. I, I totally agreed. Um, so yeah, look, and looking forward to talking about a couple more of these if you'd like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, I, I I have a question about your number five, um, which is um, be humble. And I thought about that, and I had some thoughts about that one. So tell me a little bit about be humble. Yeah, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, the main the main advice that I've learned over the years is you might be the smartest person in the room. But it can be pretty damaging if your attitude is to make sure that everybody else knows that you're the smartest person in the room because, you, you, you know, you have to work in many, many cases in your life as a team, whether it's on the field or in the classroom or in work. Um, you know, I, I grew up in consulting or was always consulting projects with teams. And so I'm just a big believer in, you know, being a humble, you know, living life with humility and being humble. And I think it served me well. And I, and I have come across people and a bump or two along the way that were um, a little bit more on the arrogant side and they wanted everybody to know they were the smartest people in the room. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's a particularly, uh, um, it's not a particularly successful uh, character trait. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I I also had I had some thoughts um, at once, and this was when I was back in graduate school. We um, so my um, doctoral degree is in organization and leadership, and one of the uh, classes I can't remember what it was, but they asked what what is the most important um, trait for you in leadership, 
And I said humility, and I remember this. And then they, they, the follow-up was, so define what it is that you think that trait is. What does that look like? And so what I, what I defined humility as is the uh, ability to share the credit with others when they don't deserve it and the ability to take the blame when you don't deserve it. And, and because at the time, at least, what my, my view on what, what it meant was that you, you, you know, you're not going to always get what you deserve in leadership, and it's a lonely place too. And so not, and I, I agree exactly what you said about not necessarily having to be the smartest person and everyone know it, but also be in in a position where you're not you you're you're not expecting to always be rewarded for uh for what you've done that that's for sure um you know it you definitely you definitely have periods of time where you feel like you deserve something and you don't get it but i guess what mm-hmm. i found over time is you will eventually get what you deserve and positive mm-hmm. things will happen in some cases mm-hmm. you just have to be have to be patient and that yeah. actually reminds me of one of these other ones which is follow your passion i have never i have never in my career made career decisions based on you know, some immediate reward that I'm, I'm expecting to get promoted faster. Yeah. I'm expecting to make, I'm expecting that I'm going to make money faster. If I take this particular position, I think I've always kind of followed, like, I'm going to go do stuff that I enjoy. And if I enjoy it and I'm good at it, I will be successful. And right. I went to Japan right out of school. I went to Japan. And because of that, I didn't say this before, but a part of my luck, was that I'm eight years into consulting. I'm a manager at PricewaterhouseCoopers, and we get an email from the CEO, CEO of 35,000 people, and he said, we need managers in Japan. If, you, if you've been to SAP training and you, uh, you're interested in going to Japan, you know, send your resume here. And 40 people applied to, this, to go to Japan. This is eight years after I'd already gone for four months. Yeah, and I ended up, uh, I ended up being the one out of the 40 that they chose because I had wow. 600 hours of Japanese language and culture training yeah. and um and so i was just a pretty darn good fit and mm-hmm. i would i signed up to go over there for two years i ended up staying for four years i went there to have fun and have a fantastic experience with my wife and my yeah. um my, my newborn daughter at the time she was one when we moved over there wow. and i was five when we moved back and my son was born there but I went there for, for, to really enjoy it and experience mm-hmm. it. It turned out without getting, because we don't have enough time for the story, but I ended up getting promoted faster. In fact, I ended up making partner at PwC at the age of uh, 32. Wow. Um, and, and it was partially because I just so happened to be overseas at a time when the company started valuing international experience more than they had in the past. Again, there's a longer version of the story, but I got, I got, I got lucky. Um, And obviously I made my own luck. I have skill. I made, you know, I I got promoted at the time for, for hopefully good reasons around my, my skill set and my ability to accomplish wonderful things. But it was also, it was also lucky. But the point is I did, I went after roles that I would enjoy. And because I enjoyed them, I think I excelled at them more 
than if I had just said, hey, I'm going for that role because I'm going to meet this really cool boss who's going to get me promoted faster or some other kind of more selfish reason that doesn't always work out in the long run. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I also heard you say um, through your story that you, um, you know, even though you didn't take it for money, it goes along with your number uh, 10, keep reskilling, is that you were you were acquiring skills that would be marketable. You, I mean, you didn't know that that opportunity was going to come up, right? So it, it just so happened that it did. But you had, you had uh, a toolbox that you could go to and people would say, yeah, we need that. So we're going to put you there. And you were selected. And, it, I mean, and that made a big difference. So um, number 10 was keep reskilling. Yeah, I, I mean, re, keep reskilling. I think this is an important one. Um, and actually, this uh, the IT space. Um, there's a book by Thomas Friedman. You may have heard the book, um, The World is Flat, I think was one of the ones yeah. he wrote. He also wrote yeah. one called Thank You for... He wrote one called Thank You for Being Late. And I just mentioned the book. I really enjoyed the book. Because when one of the things in there is there was this graph. And it basically said that um, technology today, we've surpassed the point where technology is changing faster than humans are capable of adapting to the technology change. The technology mm. change, the rate of change is faster then we are capable of, of quote unquote, learning and adapting. And, and, you know, we shouldn't be afraid of that, but the gist of it and my takeaway from it, particularly in areas like artificial intelligence or data science or analytics, and the message I give to my people is it's, it's no longer a world where you're like a traditional consulting firm or a traditional education group where you're trying to get, oh, I got to get my 40 hours a year of continuing education or continuing certification. No, you have to be a lifelong learner or you will be, you will be soon by the side of the road. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so it's a, you, have to be life, you have to be a lifelong learner, particularly in this world where technology is changing so fast. For example, I'm in the data and analytics business. We're not talking about five or ten different companies that make software for data and analytics. There's thousands of them. And you have to kind of figure out your way. But it's not just the fact there are thousands of them. The ones that are leading the charge are continuing to change. There's some that have been around for a while, but, you know, there's companies that are popular in the space that weren't two years ago, and there's going to be companies two years from now that weren't popular now. So mm-hmm. it's just the bottom mm-hmm. line is, is it's a big part of our industry, but I think it's also just the nature of what's going on in the world today with digital transformation and internet of things and everything else is you better keep up and keep reskilling and keep learning and keep, keep getting yourself educated or you're just going to be, you're going to be a dinosaur. Oh, absolutely. And, and that goes for even um, non-technical leadership roles. Um, The best thing, uh, piece of advice that I, I think that I can give is to um, to know more, not even just about subject area and discipline skills, acquired discipline skills, and this is part of one of yours was that you were talking about prioritizing interpersonal skills. That that too, you, you know, is is something that's changing 
understanding culture. You know, I find myself reading um, books. Like I, I, I read one that was about um, basically marketing. I think the title of the book is Marketing to Millennials. But it, it was a book that had, you know, kind of psychologically help you understand um, who this group of uh, people, who they are based on what has been the society that they came up in, you know, what, what have been the technology influences. And that's important if you're going to uh, appeal to them, whether it's a business, a university, or what have you, you have to understand how to connect to them. So that's, you know, it, it is, so there are all kinds of ways in which, you know, no matter what you're doing, you have to develop your skills. But one other, I'd love to hear you talk about in our last few minutes is the one around prioritizing interpersonal skills. Yeah. I mean, I think I just, I go back and I know there's many, many books and I've read some myself, but I, I go back to the old, old faithful. And I've given this as a recommended reading to people over 30 years, probably hundreds of times. When I think of interpersonal skills, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. It's how you adapt Mm. to people from all over the world, from different walks of life, from the Northeast, the Southwest, from, you know, Texas to New Jersey, you know, you name it. It's like, how do you adapt to any given individual that you're talking to? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I always think of the book by Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And mm-hmm. at, at yeah. the end of the day, the big learning is it's not, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. How you say it. And, mm-hmm. um, and so, and, I, and again, I realize I've, I've been pretty busy in my career, and I haven't read maybe as many books as I should have read, but that's one that still to this day, I take interest in, in fact, one of the things I did as I looked, I actually cross-referenced my keys to leadership uh, with, with that book just to make sure that I didn't miss anything. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and that's not a leadership book, but it's, uh, but it's a book that I respect and a book that, uh, a book that covers a, a lot about how to be good at dealing with people and by definition, yeah. that's going to relate to how to become a successful leader over time as you have more and more opportunity, not just to manage yourself, but to, to manage others. Wow. Excellent. Thank you. Well, you know, as I said, the 30 minutes goes fast and we are already um, at our 30 minute mark. And so I want to give you an opportunity. So I, those of you listening in um, heard me uh, say that I, I, found Jerry, read his article in um, the uh, Fast Company magazine. But Jerry, tell us, how might people follow you? Um, do you have any um, social media handles, anything that, uh, or other books or, or, or articles that you've written that might be um, um, interesting and, and useful to share? I would say that, and, and I, I've listened to podcasts for many, many years, and 99 times out of 100, people are saying, you know, here's my Twitter handle, et cetera, et cetera. I'll be brutally honest. I've never been a massive Twitter user. Maybe I should yeah. change, but, um, <laughs> but I, am, I am, in terms of the world I live in, um, I, the best way to probably reach me is through LinkedIn. And so I do, I am active on LinkedIn. So it's just Jerry Kurtz, J-E-R-R-Y-K-U-R-T-Z. If you type that in with Capgemini, you'll find me, um, you know, it's Jerry, Jerry Kurtz and, and that's in, that's in LinkedIn. So that would be the best way to reach me to 
to message me, to follow me, to, 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 you know, to befriend me, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you. Well, listen, I really appreciate this conversation. I learned a lot. I know people listening in did the same, wishing you such success in the future with, with the work that you're doing. I'm jealous that you're headed to Paris. Um, but, um, uh, you know, have fun <laughs> and, uh, we're just wishing you the best with your work in the future. Um, so go well, stay well, Jerry. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. I've enjoyed it. My pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye.